Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, why should we coordinate anything? Yes, great point. It wouldn't be me or you if we did that. That's, it's not in our personalities. Mm-hmm. Renee, you know, all things considered, pretty good. I'm about to turn 40. I have a giant unicorn zit on my forehead, which is not great, but, you know, just taking it day by day. I've seen worse. Uh, I'm sitting very much socially distanced from you, and I do not notice it that much. Oh, good. Yeah, Yeah. we're about eight feet apart. But I do see that you keep poking at it. Uh That doesn't help it, so hands away from the Oh, I didn't realize you'd spent the last six months in the pandemic becoming a uh, dermatologist. There's a lot of things that I've become over the pandemic time. (laughs) Um, One of them could be uh, alcoholic, (laughs) Uh, but I think half the world is now turned into an alcoholic. Yeah, that's a great point. Caitlin, I think I can say when this pod goes out, you will officially be the big 4-0. So from, (laughs) from me and all of our esteemed listeners of the Racket Magazine podcast, Happy birthday, my friend. Thank you. I, it's a pleasure to join you in the 40s decade. All right, decade. you don't need to rub it in. That's only going to last a year. So. Well, it'll be nice to overlap. Uh, I feel good. I'm feeling good. I feel, you know, did a little kick in the tires exercise over the weekend, feeling good, body's not falling apart. Well, you know, I feel fine. Feel like you're maturing now that you're turning 40? Nah, never, never. Okay, good. My Thank secret you. to success is uh, my inner child. Thank God. Well, I think I've, I fall into that category. This is why we get along. Um, I'm an Aries and you're Cancer, so I feel that those are two good friendship um, uh, can- uh, signs in the astrological. A- anyway, we're getting way too philosophical, especially at this time of the morning, which we is get very early for me. It's very early for you. Um, and on a Sunday. On a Sunday. But really, does Sunday make any more difference to Wednesday these days? Not, a, not at all. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, it's just marking time by... Uh, you know, when it's acceptable to drink alcohol and when we need to be, you know, awake and functioning. So for me, it's it's kind of a blur. But let's talk some tennis because despite the fact that we have not had a single professional tennis match for points and rankings in nearly six months, we have had a bevy of exhibitions, which I have been watching, you've been watching, we've talked a little bit about what's been on your mind, what have you seen, what have you liked? Yeah, um, well, I've actually been... Uh, at a couple of these uh, exhibition um, tournaments or uh, events, uh, one in Charleston at uh, the Daniel Island facility, which is the tournament is the Volvo um, Car Open every single year there, and it's one of the it's literally one of my favorite tournaments in, in the whole calendar year. 
Uh, and if you haven't been to our listeners, you got to go. It's a great week. Charleston's one of my favorite cities in the whole world. And they did a fantastic job there. I mean, you should have seen the sanitizing going on and you couldn't like literally we had two ball kids that were a part of the um the tennis program at daniel island so these kids were really on it they knew what they were doing um they weren't allowed to touch the tennis balls they had these like modified little tubes yeah so i'm picking up balls with tubes yeah that bob moran who's the tournament director of the tournament came up with that idea and i was like this is so brilliant Mm -hmm. um just so you weren't touching the tennis balls with the sweat and uh, you know they were literally like wiping down everything it was amazing, the job that they did. We had our temperature, temperature checked every time we walked into the tennis courts. We had a COVID test done the day before the tournament. Um, and if you know, we got the results back in 12 hours, just to let everybody know that can happen if <laughs> the shit is organized, and it was. And so we got our results back immediately and all the players were negative and all the players' staff were negative. And then we just had to behave because we knew, okay, we're all negative of COVID, but as you know... You may not have COVID one day, but you can get it the next, Mm -hmm. depending on who you come in contact with. So everybody, all the players are really diligent with not going out, not going to bars, not going to (laughs) nightclubs. Let's get into that in a bit. But, you know, we we all had to protect one another. We're all on the same floor of the same hotel. Um, We went and played. Everybody had COVID tests literally after they left Mm -hmm. and everybody was negative again. So that was just a great job that 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 that. Uh, tournament did and then I was with Jeannie Bouchard we drove up to Lexington Kentucky and played in another exo same thing everybody had their own water coolers we all had to have COVID tests again mm. prior to the event we had our temperatures checked every day and you know the, the the women we were all really just very cognizant of doing the right thing for each other yeah and if we want tennis to come back and if we want this country to come back that's what everybody has to do they have to take onus ownership of your actions and I feel like, um, you know, over the last few weeks, a lot of most of the women, if not all the women, have done a fantastic job with that. And, you know, we can get into a little bit of uh, what happened um, in Europe and, and Atlanta with the boys. Mm-hmm. Um, but what about you? I mean, well, what have I, you liked about what you've seen over the last couple of months? A couple of things. I, first of all, I really like the variety of formats. Like I like the fact that there's some experimentation. You just mentioned Charleston. One of the things that was really fun to watch about Charleston is I have this image of Sloan and Jeannie on the same side of the same court, talking on the court, interacting with yeah. each other, again, in a socially distanced way. But yeah. um, those team events really uh, always do it for me. The late, great Hopman Cup was one of my favorite um, tour stops uh, up until this past year. Obviously, a lot of people love the Labor Cup with the idea of getting to see these great players on the same side of the net. You know, I love team events. I think tennis can do tons more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked what I saw in terms of that. Right now there's a, an exo going on in Prague and it's really cool to see, you know, Belinda Bencic coaching Barbora Streetseva against one of the Pliskova sisters and just the idea that they're all kind of in it together and, and giving each other, you know, encouragement and some tips. Um, I also really want to shout out, obviously UTS. A lot of people were uh, curious to see what Patrick Moradoglu would do with the ultimate tennis showdown in Southern France at his academy you know, he's a hype type of dude. He says a lot of stuff. His job is to sort of rabble rouse, which I appreciate. And, you know, he put his money where his mouth is and created, again, a distanced, temperature checked, sanitized, kind of crazy event with the nicknames and the format and the, you know, get out of jail free card where two points count is one or whatever it is. Um, but the format was fun. It was fun to watch these guys have no warm up, no, you know, elongated towel breaks or ball bouncing breaks because they had a shot clock. 
And the tennis was really, really good. Mm -hmm. um, I want to get into a little bit of the results of some of these exos because I do think we can do a little bit of a U.S. Open slash French Open preview to talk about what's to come. But the other thing I want to mention is playing tennis recreationally has been so personally edifying. It's been amazing. Racket's been doing these little gatherings here in New York on our public tennis court. Again, distance. We bring, you know, some music. People come and hang out. There's such amazing opportunity for tennis at this moment to really re-embrace itself as a recreational sport for mm -hmm. people. And I see the courts here in New York are packed. They're not packed because people are close together, but they're packed because people are really rediscovering how much fun tennis is and it's safe. Listen, so I'd love to see that everywhere. I hope it's happening everywhere. I was riding the bike back from Tompkins Square Park yesterday with you and your son, and uh, I noticed these two people walking with their tennis rackets too. They've all got two tennis rackets, mm -hmm. which I just find so hilarious. They might break a string with They them. may. They may and hit with a thousand no, RPM. Awesome. I love it. They've got like <laughs> synthetic like string that's in there and they think that's going to break in like one day. <laughs> but you know, they're off to the, they're, they're walking down and they, I saw them, they walked into the, uh, the high school uh, area where they've got the wall, right? Mm -hmm. And so you've got all these people out there playing basketball. And then next to that, they were walking on there so they can go hit against the wall. Love it. And so, yeah, I mean, and I see that all the time. Like, I'm so aware of when I'm riding my bike around New York, how many people have their tennis rackets in their backpacks mm -hmm. and they're just trying to find a court, they're trying to find a wall, they've got their balls. And I just think tennis is such a universally loved sport. Yeah. We, sometimes we take it for granted, but it really is to me. It's like, it's such a great equalizer and so many people of every kind yeah. play tennis. And I'm seeing that so beautifully it's um, nice you know one thing that has helped me greatly get back on the court especially before um folks were sort of venturing outside their apartment is slinger the uk company that's sponsoring every exhibition and is all over the place sent me a portable ball machine with a rotation element a ton of wilson trinity balls an oscillator an oscillator thank you slinger bags they have like a little rolly like a suitcase you bring it out there Boom, you're hitting. It's legit awesome. Dude, I know because they sent me one too. And with the pandemic, obviously you can't just like randomly pull some stranger or, you know, even a friend because you're not sure what they've been doing. And I went down to uh, my buddy's place down in PA and I took it with me down there. And because he had a court that we could go to and use all the time that no one was around. And I was like, all right, I'm going to give this thing a go. Oh my God, it's the friggin' best because... Everybody knows, like, at your club, you have a ball machine, but you've got to plug it in. It's cumbersome. It's like you can literally wheel it out and wheel it back, and that's it. And you got to, as I said, you've got to have electricity. Right. No. Nah, with this slinger bag, you literally charge it overnight. It lasts for hours. You just roll it like you're taking a suitcase onto the plane, and you just pop it in the middle of the court. And it's got a remote control. So yeah. the way I've been using it is when I do my own hits, I adjust it for like decently paced, lots of topspin on the backcourt. I get ready. I hit the remote control. It shoots balls at me in like a pretty good pace way. But then I also adjust it and use it like to pop up little softballs for my kid yeah. because it's got all sorts of settings. So the two of us can use it and it means I don't get tired feeding him and I actually can kind of watch what he's doing or at least pick up the balls so the neighbors on the neighboring court don't get annoyed with my kids spraying balls everywhere. This thing is like legit awesome. Yeah. Um, and I was really jealous because you got yours about two I weeks did. before mine. I could not tell, cannot tell you people out there how freaking jealous and annoyed Caitlin was that I had mine. And, and I was annoying. I was annoying you left, right and center. I mean, I was, I was like, like hey, I want it. I want it. I was like, get your own. I have mine. And now... I got another one because my friends in PA loved it so much that I left it down there. 
and then the, the amazing people at Selena sent me one here. It's it should be here actually tomorrow or the next day. Honestly, I'm shocked that this is available, that our ball machine quality has been so low for so long. And these guys have sort of come along and run like rejuvenated the entire market Yeah, because I've seen videos online. So we've had access to courts. We've played with this ball machine in a court setting. There's people doing this in backyards. There's people doing yeah. this in rooftops. Yeah. I mean, it's awesome. People have gotten creative. Listen, and everyone again, out there awesome. that has kids as well, like you said, it's awesome for them because you can be down there and you can help them and you don't have to feed the ball. And a lot of times, like even with me as a coach of a, you know, of a world-class player, I don't, it's really hard for me to hit with them, even though I can hit with them still. It's hard because I want to be able to see what my player is doing. And I, I don't, it's hard to hit because, you know, I have to really focus to hit with the best players in the world. It's hard for me to hit and look and see what they're doing. So a, a coaching tool, it's yeah. much better almost to have a ball machine or somebody to hit with your player. So in this capacity, it's great. And if you have kids, you can just be down the other end yelling at them so much easier when the ball machine's doing all the feeding. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's I great. like yelling without distraction. Um, yeah. Anyway, we, we, we obviously... So thank you, Slinger. Thank you for sending us bags. Yeah, thanks, you guys Slinger. go check them out. Slinger.com. It's from the UK. It's a beautiful blue bag. It comes with a carrying case and a pickup ball tube. It's cool. It's a really cool thing, and I'm delighted to have one. So thank you guys. Yeah. Um, kudos to Slinger for um, rejuvenating the, uh, the ball machine market. Um, it's awesome. If you guys out there, I know you're all tennis fans, go get yourself a Slinger because trust me, you're... Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And I like it. Obviously, we're seeing some innovative things going on in Europe right now with, the, you know, the, they've got the tennis court underneath the, the plane that where they had the plane, the hangars in the Germany. Tempelhof Airport. Our buddy Petkovic is over there playing in it. She had a good win today against Svitolina. Um, so, you know, the, all the players are getting, they're trying to do their best to get ready. They're also trying to do the right thing with their social distancing and not having crowds. Um, look, obviously we had the disaster of the, what happened with the Adria Tua with um, all the guys over there. I mean, look, we, we got into it a little bit on uh, social media and facts are facts, you know, and when you, the problem is when that tournament started, unlike the tournaments in the Czech Republic, where all the girls are sitting around each other, they're high-fiving, they're sort of not doing the socially distanced or CDC rule kind of things, but mm -hmm. the Czech Republic has virtually no um, COVID um, going on there and 
They weren't flying people in from other countries. Right. They've been essentially in a larger quarantine They've been bubble. In, a, in their small little towns. They've all been socially distanced. They've all been quarantining. And they all had, um, they're all aware that the risk for them is very, very small. Uh, <clears throat> and obviously everybody's fine. Nobody's tested positive. So they feel like they're all good. Whereas with the guys event, they were bringing players in from the United States. Right. I mean, Grigor Dimitrov was in the U.S., Sasha Zverev was in the US. They all came over. Now, who's to say who gave it to whom? But the bottom line is when you are bringing players from all over the place to play in this event, the chances of someone bringing it is really good. And that to me was the dumbest thing about that. And then they were playing basketball together. And I mean, even us, look, we all had negative COVID tests in Charleston. We didn't high five. There was no high-fiving. There was no hugging. You guys didn't take your shirts off and play one-on-one -on -one basketball? basketball together. Yeah. We didn't go, like, you know, jump in a jacuzzi with seven of us and having a chat. Everybody was still aware that, look, we may have caught it at a, let's say I went and picked up some takeout food, which I did. What if somebody on the door handle left a little coronavirus? Like, the chances of me giving it to someone the next day is very good, you know? So we were all very aware of that. The guys were not. They were hugging at the net. They were kissing, kissing the European way and the whole thing and the basketball. And the, I mean, it was just, they took way too many chances. Well, this also happened in Atlanta, which you have some inside information about. I won't let you, I won't make you divulge your sources, but you know for a good fact that guys were going out on the town, not doing, as you described in Charleston or Lexington, the extra precautionary measures of just being extra safe, which is, I think, again, if we want tennis to function, if we want it back, we have to be responsible. So how hard is it to just not go to a club? Well, here's the thing. With the guys, for example, look, at a regular tournament, I don't think the guys will be going out, right? I mean, look, we saw Sasha Sverev say after his negative COVID test that he's going to quarantine for 14 days. Dude, the dude was out four or five days later at a bar Somebody put it on social media. He was surrounded by 10, 15, 20, 40 yeah. random I mean, people. The video, the video is pretty damning. He's surrounded by 40 people he doesn't know. Right. You can't do that. Right. You know? Um, and I know for a fact uh, that people were going uh, to, to a bar in Atlanta. And, yeah. you know, subsequently, guess what? You took a chance and you got coronavirus from that. And then you go and play and you wonder why. So it's like... The girls, we weren't doing that. You know what I mean? Like, Well, I do want to bring up this idea because I think our podcast is either hated or loved. I mean, I like to think loved, but it. I think we are two people and our guests feel, hopefully, that they are in an environment where truth and authenticity wins the day, right? Like we might not say things that you always like. We might not say things that are always, you know, exactly on message or, or corporate sponsor approved. But I think the truth is we both love tennis with you know the intensity of a thousand suns we want to do the best for it and sometimes a lot of that involves critiques so the politics and we're happy to take more sponsors yeah by the way yeah. you know yeah. my my zit patch by the way yeah. dr jart if you don't want to get involved oh dr jart the best they're the best i know by the way the those things are like 40 dollars a pack if we could get some free Hashtag dr, dr. Jart, jart come on free. man yeah get exactly it get it out there so uh well, you'll be hearing from us soon dr jarts so Politics and sport are linked. They always have been, they always will be. And if you don't like politics and sports, it means you are cool with the status quo, which is that the rich and powerful are usually exploiting 
the vulnerable and the less empowered. That's just the way it is. We see it in every single sports league. We obviously saw it most notably in the NFL. Um, and I want to bring the politics into this because I think you got into a very vigorous oh my God. Twitter war. It's definitely the biggest war I've had in a while. As in a while. As, as far as the length of time I took out of my life to, <laughs> to uh, go back and forth with most people. I mean, I'm very lucky. Like, look, if I put a statement out there, often it's like nine out of 10 people say something positive or supportive of me. Mm-hmm. And then I get the one wanker who sure. like, will say something. That well, wankers like, are going to wank. Whatever. That's just but, what they you do. Know, the wankers are what makes the world go round, not necessarily in the right way. But, oh, I was just on it. I, I, my quote was something along the lines of the male tennis players have really been irresponsible. I mean, it was a little bit more than that. And I said, if anyone wants to uh, support them, you can stuff it kind of thing. <laughs> and, you know, I got a lot of people saying, that's so uh, sexist, um, saying all male tennis players. I said, I didn't say all male tennis players. And there have been a lot of male tennis players that have done incredibly, have done the right thing, that have behaved themselves, that have taken in, in, into consideration their other, form, their other players. Um, and there's some that didn't, and they deserve it. And somebody was like, oh, if the women did that, you wouldn't say anything, which is, I'm like, have you met me? <laughs> Listen, if there was footage of a, you know, a Sloane Stevens at a party five days later after saying she was going to quarantine for two weeks. Uh, You'd be the first. I'd be you the probably first. would have texted her directly first. I, well, I would have and said, oh, what the, the fuck F, are you doing? Yeah. You know, but, and, and then if I'd known that so-and-so went to a bar and then three days later was testing positive and then putting in danger her other competitors? Yeah. Oh, you damn straight, I would have said something. Which, by the way, puts in danger... My job. Jobs of thousands of people, not just players, commentators, have, producers, caterers, event planners, go on. broadcasters, journalists, umpires, the entire me. ecosystem of tennis, like the entire Stringers. ecosystem of our economy is, is based on seen and unseen labor. And if you're going to endanger labor by being a total dick, and every example we saw of it was the dudes, then don't come at me with your not all men hashtag. Because you want to know what not all men came from? It came from the Me Too movement. And the Me Too movement was about women who've experienced sexual harassment. You poll every woman you've ever met, they've had some kind of terrible encounter with a man. It maybe has been terribly violent, or maybe it's just been passing remarks or catcalls. But yes, every single woman has had this experience. And so if you're gonna be one of these not all men guys, well, I don't do that, I don't know anyone who does. Think a little bit about the systems of power you're propping up and think about what it would take in the generosity of spirit in your heart to say, hmm, even though I have not personally done this and I find this abhorrent, maybe I'm going to listen to these women who said that they have experienced this and instead of getting defensive, use my powers of empathy. Mm-hmm. We see this with the Black Lives Matter movement and the people who respond, all lives matter. Of course, human sanctity of life matters. One race has had boots on their necks for hundreds of years. And so does it really harm you, non-Black person, to say Black Lives Matter because they haven't mattered in the past, right? Mm-hmm. These these politics, these discussions are all linked. And if you're somebody who's going to clown around in these Twitter streets by saying not all men or how dare you be sexist against these men, then I would point you to the nearly coronavirus free nations, all of whom are led by women and say, (laughs) maybe it's time for women to be in charge of everything. And you can go eat a bag of dicks. Hashtag dick kicks. Dick kicks. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, uh, I just think you know, when going back and forth with this stuff was just like, it was, you know, notoriously always the guys going at me for like calling them out. It's like, 
No, I would think a responsible man that does act responsibly and is aware of the fact that he is putting at risk, as you said. You know, one guy said to me essentially like, you know, it's not your business and why don't you shut up kind of thing. And I was like, it's literally oh, your business. This is literally my business. Yeah. And if the US Open doesn't happen, that's me not commentating. That's me not coaching. That's millions so of dollars in, is, in people's jobs getting impacted more than they already have been, which has been pretty yeah. bleak out there for I most mean, people. My paying my rent here in New York, which is not cheap, um, is reliant on me working. Right. And me working is tennis being back playing. Right. So if you're going to be irresponsible because you've got $20 million in the bank and you don't give a fuck about every single person that has a job that relates to tennis. Then don't do it on a tennis court. <laughs> the players that are ranked 95 in the world that rely on those first round Grand Slam money yeah. to survive, you're a dick yeah. and you're selfish. And so, yeah, I'm sorry. Like I am going to call people out that do stuff like that because it is my business. And that's why I got so upset. And there was a couple of guys that actually deleted their tweets after oh, that because I proved them so wrong. Well, I hope they showed their mother's women, friends, sisters, daughters, uh, how dumb they were being, and they got to check themselves. And men, if you're listening to this and you're on the side of good, great. Awesome. Get get the other men in control. Just tell them to take a step back and say, I didn't attack them personally. That's what that's what is so hilarious to me. Because I tell you, if there were seven women on the WTA tour that had events and they came forward and they were COVID and I knew the stuff that they did, I would be the first one to throw them under the bus as well because they are now putting my job at risk. So let's talk a little bit about the tour as it sort of nominally plans to come back. We keep talking about the US Open. The US Open currently has plans to return. Obviously, we're all very excited at that prospect, and there's going to be a few tournaments leading up to that. But it's not a certainty. I mean, it sounds like there's still a little bit of like, well, if things don't go well or the coronavirus cases in the United States, I want to make sure to mention not New York, which had its shit together because we wore masks, washed our hands, socially distanced and did all the right shit we from had, the jump. And we literally were like self-imposed uh, quarantining in our apartments and not leaving them. Like I literally didn't see my neighbors who are two feet from me right. for like three months. I don't no. think they ever came out. It was dystopian here in New York, <laughs> but people know how to live near each other because we live in a megalopolis and we have some semblance of empathy and we believe in science. Setting that aside, there is some question mark about who's going to show up for these tournaments in the States, notably the U.S. Open. What are you hearing? What are you thinking? What do you think this is going to look like? Well, it's a little bit of a worry when you see that um, that uh, Rafa is practicing on clay. Mm-hmm. So that is not a good sign that he's coming to the U.S. Open. Right. Um, word on the street is that Novak uh, apparently has uh, ordered some tennis balls from the U.S. Open, from the USTA. Indicating he'd want to get Indicating match ready. Indicating I would imagine he's coming to the U.S. Open. Okay. All right. Now that's still not set because we'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks um, with the cases and the, you know, obviously New York, as you said, is doing fantastically well. We were out yesterday, socially distancing and everyone's still wearing a mask here yeah. in New York. Um, so yeah, Serena's obviously said she's coming all the, uh, you know, Bianca Andreescu will be coming, mm -hmm. you know, the former, the defending champion, yeah. Naomi Osaka, former champion, she will be coming. And so, you know, I'm, I'm excited. I think that we're going to have as good a field as possible. Obviously Roger was never playing. 
I think every player that's playing right now in these exhibitions, including we're actually sitting at my apartment watching Dominic team and uh, Matteo Berrettini playing against each other on grass, um, those guys will definitely be coming because yeah. I just think they're trying to prepare for the U.S. Open. As well, teams played pretty much every match humanly possible. Yeah, and he, wow, like... He looks great. He looks great, as does Berrettini. But, um, yeah, I, I, I like the fact that these guys are getting out there and they're playing as much tennis as possible because they need to physically be match-ready for a five-setter. Yeah. That's going to be not easy. Um, but, yeah, I think I think we're going to have as good a field as possible. Um, I'm hearing that Simona Halep, is probably not going to be coming. Mm -hmm. She indicated that she's... uh, She's a little bit afraid, I think, of, um, you know, catching corona, obviously, and traveling. And it's going to be a little bit of a step for the Europeans to fly over Mm -hmm. here. But I think the USTA are going to do everything possible to try and keep them as safe as possible. I know that ESPN really wants it, as does the USTA. Yeah. It's a tremendous amount of money on the line. Sure. USTA is a non-for-profit. They rely so heavily on this US Open to fund yeah, all the grassroots main income for tough. the entire uh, year. You know, everyone's it's so selfish. I guess it's listen, they're trying to do the right thing by everybody here. They they're going they've been through protocol after protocol after protocol. My friend Kathleen Stroy is the head of the women's you know, WTA health services uh, staff and division at the WTA and she said literally I've written a book in the last 6 months about the protocols that need to happen for the U.S. Open. Well, I think what we've learned from these exos is two things need to happen. Number one, the organizers of the event have to have very clear, very consistent, and very logical, if stringent, protocols. And then the players have to respect each other and the sport and the organizers enough to follow them. And, listen, and when that happens, if you want to go, seems into, like it works. If you want to go into New York as a player, because they're all going to put them out at the TWA out at JFK, right? If you want to come into New York, do it when you're out of the tournament, right? There's plenty of time to party, man. Right. There's plenty of time to come into the city. And when you come into the city, stay in the city. Well, you should also still wear a mask and socially distance. Well, and if you sure, go outside and have a cocktail, is, you, you know, don't be thoughtful. stay at the TWA, right. come into the city and go back to yeah, the TWA. Yeah, but respect the bubble. The bubble is going to work for and with everybody. So it needs both sides to function. I mean, we're I'm not just going to have four players left at the TWA hotel on the last weekend. Yeah. Okay. And, and we might see some other ones distanced and, you know, no, once you're out of the tournament, you can come into the city and you can put yourself up at the four seasons. Like, right. you know what I mean? Like you have time to party and have the New York experience, which I know a lot of players love about coming to New York, but you, you've got time for that. And you, you can handle two or three weeks right. because the tournament the week before is going to be the Cincinnati Western and Southern Western and Southern open. You got time to party, man. Like, let's get back to business here and let's take care of each other. Let's yeah. take care of each other. Which well, is before we get to the clay swing, because as of now, the French Open plans to sell tickets to attendees. I don't think it's going to be a full house, but they do plan to have spectators. Setting that aside, what out of the players and the field that you do see really working hard, what do you think, um, you know, might happen at this Grand Slam? I think Racket had a pretty compelling piece by Gary Nathan talking about Matteo Berrettini, who's kind of come out of last year's U.S. Open run, the semifinal run. I want to get to the fact that you called it really early about him. He wasn't on a lot of people's radar in terms of being a challenger to the big three and making it deep into a slam. But Geary wrote pretty compellingly, I think, this week for Racket about how Berrettini's really taken this EXO opportunity. We saw him playing an incredibly contested final in Berlin against Dominic Thiem, losing in the super tie break, you know, I think 10-8. But He's fitter. He's moving well. Obviously, his forehand's enormous. His backhand's gotten better. Do you think he's, uh, you know, a real contender this year? Yeah. 
absolutely. I mean, he was, I mean, I went on a bit of a limb and I said that I feel like he's going to be the one of the, the young generation outside of the top three that are going to win a, a Grand Slam. And I think he will be the first one. And I, I think that Dominic Team is knocking on the door above them all because he's been so close now with well, finals certainly the US French. Open and finals of the US Open where he played, you know, great as well. Or, or you know, and he's had huge wins at, at um, slam level. And yeah, the French, he's going to be knocking on the door big time. Um, but yeah, I think Matteo just has all the weapons and he just has to learn to believe in his ability. He's such a nice guy. I mean, such a nice guy. But he also spent a lot of time in Boca, you know, in the pandemic. He was down there living with his girlfriend, Isla Tomlanovic, and her family. And uh, so, yeah, he's used to the, the U.S. environment. He's used to the hard courts. He loves playing on them. So, yeah, I think he's definitely a chance um, at, at that event. There's no question about it. I think on the men's side, team and Djokovic obviously will be the favorites. And then Mateo will be knocking on the door. And I think in the women's side at the U.S. Open, I think that, you know, I've been asked, who do you think will be best without a lot of match play mm. coming into a U- Probably Serena, right? A Grand Slam. And I said, well, you just got to look at the, the top two for me are Serena and Bianca Andreescu. Yeah. I mean, if anyone can come and play a tournament without having a match for like six months, it's frigging those two. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> right. Bianca won like three of the biggest events on the calendar last year. Dropped off for months. Didn't even play hardly. Like right. literally. Like, and then came back and won two huge tournaments in a row. Yeah. Like what, you know, right. come out of, came, came out of nowhere to win uh, Indian Wells. Yeah. Then like got injured, you know, played one match after that at Wimbledon and then won Canada and won the US Open. It's like, boom, you know, Sloane Stevens obviously did that, you know, yeah, a couple point. of years ago as well. I think what it does is it gives you that second wind of, oh yeah, I really love doing what I do. You know, mm-hmm. um, there's some people that really appreciate it. I think Serena, she's obviously, she's got a court in her backyard. She's had the U.S. Open balls delivered yeah. to her as well. Like, she's ready to go. She looks fit. Um, she's, she, she will definitely be there. Um, and nobody wants to see her win another one more than, you know, a lot of us. A lot of us. I actually had a dream about Margaret Court last night. It was very odd. She doesn't appear in my, my uh, thoughts in any occasion very much. But I feel like maybe it was a sign. I was talking about how she supported apartheid as well as hating gay people. And I was like, wow, what a great opportunity this would be for somebody, a.k.a. Serena Williams, to knock that pedestal firmly in the dustbin of history where it deserves to be. I just don't even... I don't know. It was very strange. I don't want to dwell on this. It was strange. She kind of looked like a mop. She had long hair. It was very strange. I mean, we didn't talk about her yesterday at dinner or anything. No, no, no. They say a thing about dreams if you're going to tell other people about your dreams. Mm-hmm. which is universally boring for anybody who's not you, what you need to do is pretend that the person you're talking to was also in your dream, but they had like a minor role, like kind of like a director would give their nephew in their film. Pretty much me in you general know? in your life. Exactly. Just a minor role. And I was like, oh, Renee, you were there too. You were, you know, in the cafeteria. I was cafeteria. watching the yeah. coffee. Exactly. Yeah, okay. So now you're, the barista. Now you're invested, right? Yeah, now yeah. you're like, no, well, I mean, tell me what else happened. Let's <laughs> break down the stream. No, I didn't, I didn't even need to be in that dream <laughs> to be interested in how the heck you would have that dream. I don't know. I had a lot of tequila last night. I guess that's why. Okay, tequila calm really, down. You had like... 
three. You had two drinks. I didn't even have three drinks. I had two drinks. Oh my god, you're the biggest friggin' lightweight. Can we change that about you getting into your forties now? No, I think if anything, maybe I'll just go totally clean and just do a psychotropic. I am going totally clean for a week starting today. <laughs> okay, everyone, let's see how it goes. We'll check in in a week on that. We'll <laughs> check in in twenty four hours. Let's see how it goes. My neighbor day. doesn't help me, okay? Because I'm like outside, and then they're out there with a glass of wine. And the like, whole hey, thing. You want one? I'm like, oh, okay. All right. What can you tell us about what you'll be doing the next couple of months? Obviously, you're going to commentate on the U.S. Open. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen? Are you are you guys? Is the tennis world really going to do a clay swing? Is this really happening? Yeah, I believe it is. Uh, I'm actually going to be spending a little bit of time with uh, Jeannie Bouchard. All right. Um, I've been helping her out a little bit over the last couple of weeks, and um, word on the street is that uh, we're going to go to Prague and play the event there. So This I'll, is a pre-US Open Prague Pre-US Open Prague on clay. Mm -hmm. um, Jeannie won't be playing the US Open. Her ranking's not high enough right now. So the, the goal is to get her to get back inside, obviously, the top 100 and then go from there. Um, I mean, she can win those big matches, so it's just a matter look, of like, you know, getting her back in there, right? Jeannie, you know, I, there's not many people that return the ball as well as Jeannie. Mm -hmm. um, and so just working on trying to get her confidence back. Uh, I'm working on trying to change her serve a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, because you know, if you're winning three points on your serve or you're setting the point up with your serve, you're going to do a lot of really good things. And if you know, changing the serve and getting her to control her own service games, mm -hmm. those are all really important with going forward with the confidence. I feel um, like that's important for literally everybody. Well, she returns free, free tips from she returns so stuff. well, yeah, that if she can, you know, really stay in control of her own service games, then. Do you want know, a free coaching tip from me? Go ahead. Because I get paid by the stars for this kind of stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. Serve in Bali. Yeah, I think that's never going to happen. <laughs> um, although our buddy, Andrea Petkovic, you know, tweets out her video of her serve in Bali and winning the point every time. So <laughs> I'm going to make Jeannie do it once a match. Do you think Petko does that because she... No, she does it just so she can put it out there and show me. Okay, that's true. Like, that's like a coded dude. conversation between the two of you. Yeah. She like... does not serve in Bali very often. No, it's but you know what? Everybody out there, hit that flatty out wide and go in, and I promise you, you'll have a ball in the middle of the court, high forehand volley. It's an easy point to win. Just throw it in there like a Martina Hingis every now and again, and do it on a break point, because I promise you, everybody returns that ball through the middle of the court because they want to just make it. Wow! So there's my tip for you all. This is great. All right. I mean, who's going to take a flat serve out wide and try and hit down the down the sideline? Nobody. Everyone's going to go back cross court. Rudwanska was the queen of it as well. She'd throw that in there every now and again, which is why I loved her. Can I? What about my? I, I got a little mention. Uh, I got, Should we do a bonus ending of the episode with your newest Twitter romance? Well, oh, I don't know. Intellectual let's romance. Let's not call it a romance. Uh, let's call it a, uh, a a surprise that was sent to me yesterday. That uh, apparently Mary T Trump, of course, of niece of you know who yeah the only good trump as far as we can tell yeah uh had like liked one of my had said some very complimentary things about my commentary like three years ago and i just totally missed the tweet and then i didn't realize that she actually followed me as well oh yeah yeah and i was like what the hell i just totally missed this so to back up mary trump the psychologist niece of the shit sack clown who's currently sitting in the over office illegally i would argue uh, is a progressive, has been cut out of the family, and now has this forthcoming book where she all but diagnoses, I don't even want to use his name, as having like narcissistic personality disorder and having been abused by their grandfather because he's it's the whole family's dysfunctional. So she's like the one who got away. She's like the black sheep mm. Trump. 
She's a huge tennis fan. She's been adding huge tennis. Ben Rothenberg, Courtney Nguyen. She loves Agar Rudwanska. She's huge into tennis. She follows you. Who knew? Yeah. No, I, I don't and know. Chrissy, Chrissy. I told Chrissy yesterday. She follows you too. She goes, really? I mean, Mary Trump. Welcome to the tennis Twitter. Mary family. Trump. Welcome to the tennis world. We will not hold your last name against you. We will be no. welcoming. You, you will be known as Mary to us. That's it. There Mary, it is. the tennis queen. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to try and find her book because it's sold out everywhere. And I know. Way, I'd like to, to read it. Well, let's have her on the podcast and we'll read the book uh, and then we can talk about um, it. What else? Uh, so, Caitlin, um, I think one thing we do want to just also talk about and touch on is the fact that our very good, esteemed fashion correspondent, Andrea Pekovic, um, sent out a tweet the other day about some absolute ass clown. Uh, abusing her essentially on Twitter about her losing her match and telling her she should retire and she sucks and yada, yada, yada. And cause he was betting on her match. Mm. Now he's an idiot because he bet against, um, you know, Petra Kvitova on, on fast, grass, shitty grass. I mean, come on. And I know that Andrea has beaten, uh, Kvitova a bunch of times. So in slams recently, so, so but, but would, still Petra on grass is, I mean, that's a really intense combination. Ah, uh, yes. She's one Wimbledon. Like average grass. So getting her serve back on that shit grass is like not easy. And, um, you know, you're taking a risk by taking that bet. I'm sorry. Like people bet on tennis all the time and it's like they, but, the, but yet they feel like they can then abuse the absolute living daylights out of these tennis players. I mean, we've and, seen it left, right and center. All these players post screen grabs of the death threats they get, kill yourself, walk into traffic, da, 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 da. I mean, it's just like, what on earth would possess you to talk to a person that way? A, losing money, had money on it. And B, let's be honest, these are men. Uh, yeah, they're always men that are riding. I know we're going to come off like men haters, um, but it's the men. It's the men. I've never seen a, a person, a tennis player, voluntarily put these abusive tweets up that aren't men. Yeah. And it's like, it's so egregious and so disgusting, the stuff they say to them. Well, do you think tennis should not have betting companies as sponsors? Because a lot of these uh, exhibitions have been funded by betting companies. A lot of people say that that's a conflict of interest. No, I don't. I, I don't I, actually particularly care one way or the other, but I can see the argument there. I'm not. I'm totally fine with that because I had this uh, conversation actually with uh, Craig Tiley from Tennis Australia, mm -hmm. and one year the Australian Open had a betting company on the mm -hmm. back, and I was like, oh, that's a little conflict of interest, and that's a bit. Uh, we're trying to take, you know, that was the year of them really clamping down on betting in tennis and mm -hmm. people throwing matches and yeah you know, a little bit of dodgy stuff going on. Um, and he's like, no, because there's betting in tennis. Like there's betting in sports. Like it's, we're just putting it out there. Mm -hmm. Like every other tournament has bet. They have a lot of sponsors mm -hmm. are in tennis. They just don't voluntarily put them on the back of the wall. Oh, right. Yeah. So he's like, we just did that because why not? You yeah. know? So no, you're never going to take betting away from sports or tennis and you shouldn't. But when you make a bet, you're taking a chance. There's no such thing as a given unless you have paid the player, which is why they were clamping down on it, mm -hmm. to throw a match. Right. Um, but if you take that bet, you're taking a risk. And if you feel like the necessity to like abuse the shit of a player because the bet didn't come off the way you wanted it to, I, I just you can go, you know what? Like, it's so wrong. It's well, so to wrong. me, I, I think personally it has less to do with betting, although I do I do think losing money obviously makes people probably do crazy things. I think it's just the sort of, for me, the context is keyboard warriors who 
would never dare or can't ever substantiate or actually have an argument, um, you know, face to face, but feel free to volley garbage at other people freely on the internet because they're anonymous and because they're cowards, essentially. You know, I got a lot of shit. It's abuse. Well, it's nuts. I got a lot of shit after saying, you know, the Adria tour was a disaster. And it was funny because I got a lot of, you know, Novak Djokovic super fans. You know, and every big three player has a ton of fans. The Novak fans have a sort of Serbian nationalist bent, which makes them, and they also feel very persecuted. So it makes them feel like the tennis establishment is against him as opposed to he's done some things that are justifiably critiquable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I said, oh, great. Well, can you point to the time code that I said something that was actually factually inaccurate? Is this different than me calling out, you know, uh, Rafa for taking too long between points and needing to get more code violations? Is this different from me calling out Roger for the verbal obscenity he used and needing to get, a, you know, like, I don't, I don't care really about the big three. I don't have a particular favorite among them. I kind of want them to all retire because I'm ready for the new crop. But it was interesting because these keyboard warriors, they can't actually say the thing or do the thing or point to the thing. They're very, very happy anonymously sort of lobbing garbage at other human beings. And it's sort of like, you know, if you're going to spend your time doing that, put your phone down, don't abuse players, get, 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 get the fuck out of here with that. You know, I've got absolutely no time for it, but if you think I'm going to stand by it and not call you out on it, you know, I they just they, welcome to me. They don't have a lot of um, things that excite them and, you know, getting um, very abusive online excites them. And well, so I thought, that's what I I thought Petco's clap back was very good. Oh, you yeah. p- Feel free to, you try to return Petra Kavita yeah. serve to the ad side. I invite you to do that. You, I'd love to see it. You wanker. Um, uh, let's also finish on a really fun note in that we've been watching World Team Tennis as well. And uh, can we give a like triple, triple, triple clap to one of the greatest players um, that we've ever had on the pod. One clap for each child she's had before coming back to absolutely decimate the field of young players are one of our faves, Kimmy Clysters. Yeah, I mean, it's been so great. Uh, I spoke to Kim the other day, actually, and just so everybody's aware, the Greenbrier, they're playing in uh, West Virginia, they're playing World Team Tennis, they're keeping everybody at the Greenbrier. And Kim said, you can't delete, I can't leave my room. You have to have every <laughs> meal in the room. They literally leave the food outside and say, food's here. Um, so they're really trying to keep it all in house. And I think the U S open is going to, is sort of, that's in a bit of an experiment for them. I think they're waiting to see how world team tennis pans out mm-hmm. and if anyone gets COVID and how they can handle keeping everybody in house. I don't know that. I'm just imagining that if the U S I'm USDA, sure they're watching all of these I'm, things. U S D A probably out. thinking, Do's and don'ts. Can, can we, cause there's a lot of players at that WTT event. If we can keep them in house and keep them safe, then that's a good indicator for the U S open. Obviously there's a lot more at the U S open, but I think that's a small, small little thing for them to look at. But, um, you know, yeah, let's give it up for Kim. Like, hasn't lost a singles match there. Obviously, it's only first of five. There's no ad tennis. Yeah, not exactly match conditions, but Kennan, uh, you know, defending Kenan, Australian Sloan Open. Stevens, Sloan Stevens. Uh, Danielle, Danielle Collins. Collins. Yeah, she's, like, had a, she's looked good out there. Looking fit, looking good. Obviously, she's always been an incredible athlete. Has a laser forehand, backhand grounding. You know what it is? You no, know, she just looks great. I'm so happy for you her. You know what it is, Caitlin? When, you, when I see her play against all of these players, and they're all great players, and obviously Kennan and Sloan in particular because they're both Grand Slam champions, Kim, you just there's just a difference of the demeanor and the will and the, the intensity and the way she can let stuff go mm-hmm. and move on. And it's so great to see such a great champion. It's the same as when Serena plays World Team Tennis. It's like it doesn't even matter if it's just like a five-game format. 
It's like they just have this different look about them that is such a, it's just a 10% better than everybody else when they really focus in. And look, Kim, Kim will be the first one to say that she still needs to lose a bit of weight. She still needs to get a little bit, um, you know, uh, fitter, but her movement is still there. Mm -hmm. And with the little bit extra fitness and match play and a little bit, uh, losing a little bit of weight, which she said has been the most difficult. I mean, three kids, she's not getting any younger. Like that's hard to do. Sure. Um, she hitting, hitting the ball so well and yeah. serving well, um, playing the mixed doubles. like And just like smiling and fist pumping and, and getting into it in a way that you're so... That, that happy intensity is always what I remember watching um, during those fantastic runs in the Australian and obviously the US Open. Like, you know, when she's on and she's feeling it, not only is she such a joy to watch because she's such an athlete, but also she has like such a happy intensity that it's like really, really sort of joyous. I, I feel just, like watching her on any sports field would be like that. And it's nice to see. Oh my God. I just, I, one of the reasons I want the US Open to happen so badly is because I just want to see Kim out there again, like giving it everything. And every player that plays against her is just going to be shitting themselves. Sure. Nobody wants to play against Kim. And <laughs> no one wants to get their butts kicked by Kim Pisces, who literally hasn't played tennis for like five years, probably, you know, <laughs> or longer. Yeah. Um, and coming back from, from, from like three children, right? It's like goddamn, I'm living in a, totally schooled by a mom of three, living uh, on a farm in Belgium. Yeah, exactly, with her pigs right. <laughs> and her bulldogs. So, uh, so anyway, I'm super excited about that. Uh, I can't wait to see her compete again at the U.S. Open, and hopefully it all happens. Hopefully the U.S. Open is on. All right, well, we fingers crossed. Need it on television. Sure. All right. Until soon, Renee. Let's see how long you can stay dry. Ugh. I'm giving myself like. Two days. And if I can get through two you days. You said a week. No, but I'm saying if I get through two days, I think I can get a week. All right. Well, stay tuned, everybody. Hey, guys, we've, uh, we've, uh, we've missed tennis. We hope that, uh, we hope that uh, this gets back onto television. But in the meantime, thanks for supporting us on Wreck-It. And uh, we love you guys. Hang in there. We're almost there. Bye. Bye. And that's it for this episode of the Racket Magazine podcast. Thanks for listening. Our host is Renee Stubbs. Our co-host and producer is me, Caitlin Thompson. Music by internationally renowned DJ Stretch Armstrong. Thanks to Tim Rogerian and the team at Acast. Find us at racketmag.com slash podcast and subscribe to us at any of your favorite podcatchers. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skidt af alle de der podcasts og forklarer meget nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmakker.